1: Is the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego?
2: Welcome, 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 Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, um, uh, we have uh, some very interesting guests uh, to talk to uh, today. Um, catching up with our friend Todd Benzman is always important for us to do, and we will do so uh, today. Um, he has uh, a lot happening with his new book that's coming out, and um, he's got a lot to add. But also, um, as we've seen some of the attention on Martha's Vineyard, on New York City, on other places, um, we are starting to get a conversation about immigration. And I, I think it redounds to uh, Todd's sort of credit as the expert. He's the best expert I know on all the national security implications on all the different aspects of what's happening at the border. So we'll talk with uh, Todd Bensman and uh, see what he's up, up to. We'll also catch up with Mike Davis of the Article Three Project. Uh, Interesting to note, the judge in the uh, Mar-a-Lago document case. Her her name is Judge Collins, I believe. And uh, Mike Davis on social media has been pounding away, saying uh, conservatives aren't bothering to defend. Uh, this uh, um, judge who is going through a lot, and so interesting to hear. We'll talk to him about all that and where that's positioned. He's an expert lawyer. He's worked. Um, I have to ask him. I know he's worked in the uh, Judiciary Committee with uh, Senator Grassley. He clerked for Jud- Judge Gorsuch and then later Justice Gorsuch. And I believe he worked in the in the executive branch too, either in the White House or maybe just as a guy a Sherpa helping judges through the process. But we'll talk with him. Okay. Before we get to that, just a quick hit. We're, we're going to be a little bit quick this morning. Um, excuse me. With this, in this segment, this, um, wink segment, I'm looking at my morning email is what made me think of it. You get the wink in the morning, go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up there for the morning email and you get the wink. And this segment is called what you need to know, the wink. Um, what I want to cover is refer you to a brief, um, not a brief, a lengthy article in the tablet magazine. Um, and it, uh, helps understand The uh, connection between, as I call it, the narrative machine between big government and big tech and big media, but in particular, big government and big tech, because what the, 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 the title of the article is the U.S. government's vast new privatized censorship regime. And it goes on to describe how there is a an effort where big government will signal to big tech and tell them to censor. And so, you know, if you want to be political, the best example is when the FBI met with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and said, hey, guys, uh, soon, right before the election in 2020, there's probably going to be Russian disinformation. When you see that, uh, don't promote it, you know, shut it down. And that's what happened with the Hunter Biden laptop. But that's not the best example. That's the most political example. The best example is, I think this the tablet goes into it. It's an example. The Barrington. There was a Barrington, the Great Barrington Declaration. Um, about the shutdowns of society and uh, COVID. And the, in this article, the tablet goes through and shows based on FOIA requests that the key, two key uh, public health officials, Dr. Francis Collins and, of course, Dr. Fauci, those two went moved to kind of shut down the, the the Great Barrington uh um uh declaration. And what happened was the Great Barrington Declaration gets signed, starts to circulate. Fauci and Collins signal, hey, shut it down, don't talk about this. This is not something that's good. And then you watch, at least in this piece, the allegation is that they basically were able to isolate it, they were able to shut it down, and you didn't hear much about it. Now, the problem here is the combination of big government censoring big tech. It'd be one thing if big tech were censoring itself or picking and choosing its own uh, preference, that would be problematic enough. But when government is signaling thus, it should be really worrying and chilling. And the best way I can describe it in the current environment is when uh, Joe Biden gives a speech and calls the MAGA Americans uh, clear and present danger, the signal to the American people is, oh, those people are, are, need to be stopped. They need to have their constitutional rights limited. That's what that means. That's what clear and present danger means. It's from a Supreme Court doctrine where they limited the First Amendment rights of citizens. And so when you see that happen and then you realize from the tablet um, magazine, this essay this analysis, you start to say to yourself, huh, if they've sort of privatized the censorship, in other words, the government signals or tells private entities to censor, do we ever find out? Can you ever find out? Can you have any control? I mean, the idea would be you could get control of the government. If you don't like the censorship of the federal government, you could replace the chief executive. You can replace the Congress. That seems to me to be the, the question. And so it's a deep threat. It's a serious threat and one you got to watch. So well, I look at that piece. I'll put it up on social media and I've got to come back. I have got to come back and get us uh, talking about the narrative machine, the, the power of big tech working with big government and of course, big media also uh, to tell us what the truth is and to shut us all down. So, all right, everybody, we take a break. We'll come back with uh, Mike Davis, uh, as well as we will get an update from Todd Bensman. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report back in a moment. Welcome back, welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, catching up with Todd Benzman. Todd it's better to be lucky than good at this point in uh, the political cycle the issue that is on everybody's mind and is covered actually on every channel I think right now is at least they're covering the question of where are these uh, illegal immigrants or migrants whatever you want to call them that ended up in Martha's Vineyard and other places where they come from which is the border and suddenly there's lots of attention and also the issue of fentanyl the fentanyl trade I the house floor there was people uh, talking about that stopping the border so you know your book overrun which is Coming out in the next little while, next few weeks or so, uh, perfectly timed. But what's your sense now of the coverage? Are are people covering the actual the right story? Are they seeing what's happening? Are you feeling sort of like it's 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 heading in the right direction? Well, I
1: think there are two different things that happen at once. But if you're talking about the Southern Republican governors doing their busing, I yeah. don't think that that's been covered correctly. It's being covered in a in a myopic, very narrowly uh, focused way instead of the uh, kind of forest view of what's happening, which is really what the story is. Uh, the story is not that 50 migrants got bussed to Martha's Vineyard or the few thousand to D.C. or Chicago. It's that that is part of a two million person uh, rush on the border into the into the country. It's not those numbers. It's these other vast numbers. Right. uh, And the fact that that they have been busing themselves of their own volition, uh, their self-propelled paying for their own buses most of the time, the vast majority of the time, All day long, every day for 19 months straight, busing to Massachusetts, New York State, Illinois, and probably, you know, 30 or 40 other states on their own by the hundreds of thousands. So I just find it strange that people are kind of getting into this sort of micro, you know, did they put them on a military base? Did they, you know welcome these 50 and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, even New York, wh- which was complaining, the mayor was complaining about its homeless shelters but being filled up, but not the fact that it's for, you know, a year straight, their schools have been absolutely overwhelmed by illegal immigrant kids. And nobody mentioned any of that. They're just talking about the Republican buses
2: yeah uh, todd bensman is our guest he is the senior national security fellow at the center for immigration studies cis.org is their website you'll see a lot of his writings on twitter at bensman todd and his new book overrun about the biden administration and how they failed on the border is available everywhere you buy books if you go to dot com, you'll see it there um, okay but i mean i do this to you all the time todd okay i got your point uh, on the other hand for the first time, we're getting some coverage on the border. And now we have, I think, Governor Abbott. Is it Governor Abbott who signed some kind of law or an executive order basically uh, calling the um, calling the cartels uh, terrorist, uh, a, a, you know, entities, which, um, again, you know, I'm not sure how much can be do- – how much actually is done by some of this. You know, 50, as you say, airlifting 50 uh, migrants to Martha's Vineyard doesn't do much, but it seems like the – the issue and and some of these actions are sort of chasing it, the issue out into the light. Uh, yeah, I do agree that it's kind of bringing
1: it to the to the fore a little bit. Right, uh, there was uh, a little bit of coverage in the New York Times. Uh, In the last couple of days, the Washington Post about this new milepost that was passed of 2.15 million apprehensions, the greatest number ever in U.S. history uh, at the border. And the New York Times actually put in a subhead the H word, which is historic. They used the word historic. It's the first time I've seen any regular newspaper call this historic they called it that it was
2: on a historic pace to, to be clear to be <laughs> clear is it 2.15 as of today or is that what it's projected to be now that's as of uh the august
1: numbers so oh my gosh time, yeah so wow. the new numbers came out for for august which pushed it over 2.2 million and by the time we get to the end of the year which is the end of this month it, it'll be 2.35 million in just one oh. fiscal year added to the 1.7 million which broke the rec- national record last year so we're we're at about 3.9 9- Million apprehensions in two fiscal years. And uh, just to give you a little perspective, I mean, in in all through the 2010s, you know, it was, you know, 400,000 was the typical year. I mean, that seems like a lot, 400,000, but it never really broke over 500,000. So, we're at regularly three times uh, what, it, what, what it is normally down there at the, at the border. And that's
2: just un, unbelievable. I mean, it's- is, the, is, the, uh, is it attributed to the dynamic um, once everybody sort of the word goes out that it's really easy to come across, then the word goes out. And it's, you know, we, in other time periods, we heard this. Oh, here comes a caravan of 5,000 people or something. We don't hear any of that. And it must be there must be plenty of caravans and plenty of things happening. So but is the the scope uh, and the number attributable to the fact that people know it's easy? Or is it is it that the government is actually, I don't know, more adept at receiving them? Uh, What what is it? What about that part of it? It's the main thing is when you talk to them uh, that, you
1: know, it's easy to get in. Now, the Biden government has made everything easy. They're taking us. They're taking us And so that's just spreads all over the world. I mean, that's everybody hears about that on social media and Latin American uh, media is covering it. And everybody who gets in is sending selfies home with their thumbs up and that sort of thing. And it empties villages that empties villages completely. Everybody's coming while the getting's good. They're afraid it's going to we're going to suddenly wake up here and close it again. That's, uh, oh, that's really all there is to it. We're just letting them in.
2: So- uh, we're talking with Todd, Todd, Todd Benzman is our guest and uh, Todd Benzman.com is his website. You can see there, your book overrun, which is coming out real soon. Remind me exactly when it's out, but, um, but Todd, what's a, tell me something in that book that I don't, you know, ask you about, is there some aspect of this uh, whole thing that is, is sort of being, you know, we, we miss even you and I miss, when we talk numbers and all.
1: Well, there are a few things. One is that with the midterms coming up, the there was a an insurgency within the White House. And I, I have an entire chapter, a long chapter dedicated to the insurgency. There were Democrats, regular, traditional, pragmatic Democrats who worried that this border crisis was going to hurt the Democrats in these upcoming midterm elections. And they rallied. Uh, briefly, to stop it with uh, significant programs that were never published or or uh, were never got any media attention at all. Uh, one of them was were these air deportations that I wrote about at, at length, uh, where they were ship. They've shipped probably two hundred and fifty thousand migrants all the way back to Central America and Haiti and and South America and even Africa in order to try to get. People from those countries to not come, knowing that they're going to get sent all the way home. Uh, that failed. Uh, it worked briefly, but it the progressive uh, liberals inside the White House fought back uh, and prevailed. And on uh, all of the things that that the insurgents tried to do, uh, had a, somewhat of an effect at slowing things down over the summer. Uh, a little bit in the in the fall but ultimately they did not prevail and we have today what we have which is just almost wide open borders very close to a state of total open borders with no impediments of any sort very close to
2: that uh, we're talking with uh, Todd Bensman again. His new book is Overrun. It's coming out soon, and it's go to toddbensman.com, uh, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Um, Todd, uh, first of all, let me say, and I'll get your reaction. I, I, think, um, I think it probably was a red wave anyway. I think the Republicans are going to win. I think the wrong track, right track of feeling of the country is every uh, sane Democrat and every independent, and you know, a Brit large, I don't mean everyone, but are going to break uh, for the party out of power because they just don't trust what going on I, I think it's so dramatic so many things about it uh and the border will be one of them i think now that it is sufficiently high profile in these last weeks i think it will be one and it will be a massive uh i really do a red wave uh what do you think do you feel any of that or you, you think i'm overfeeling it
1: well i i hesitate i was thinking that up until the supreme court ruling on abortion And now I think that it is that whatever red wave that was in the making might be attenuated somewhat by the energy that is being ginned up in Democratic blue precincts
2: uh, to go vote. Uh, Democrat. Yeah, I, well, I should. I can let me just make it feel better that they, they, it's helping them get their the sort of left excited to organize and go out, but it doesn't get uh, the collar counties of St. Louis, for example, where they used to vote for Dick Gephardt and they voted for Ross Perot and then they re- voted for Donald Trump. They just they're just not seeing it on these things, you know. I, and so I don't think uh, the, the you know the, the sort of uh, lunch bucket uh, kinds of Democrats. So that's uh, you should feel like they're they're trying to buy abortion. It's not it's not going to work. It's not the issue. It's not the time. It doesn't move anybody other than who's already moved. But uh, Todd Benson's our guest. Todd, uh, one last uh, question on this is is there a crisis point that could come? It's 150 migrant migrants land in this vineyard, and I think I've seen coverage of eight you know, uh, hundred uh, uh, people drowning trying to cross a river on the border a tragedy. Of course, last year or two years ago, there was the the, the trapped in the uh, uh vehicle there were 50 uh, in a truck 50 or more or 30 35 or 40 i don't know the number people that died uh illegal immigrants is there any kind of can you envision something that crisis that takes the the headlines not just the sort of uh vacation martha's vineyard uh thing well uh, I know you're not, i know you're not i know you're not rooting for it by the way to be clear i'm just no, saying you know right. what is it that can get people's attention
1: I think that uh, what could get people's attention would be when school districts start to um, start to collapse under the weight of migrant kids. Uh, That's the first place that people should be seeing this. This is a child centric uh, mass migration crisis. It's the it's the children uh, who are coming in in the largest numbers being brought in because they're the ticket in. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that's where people should be start to start to feel bond elections. And uh, all of a sudden there's, you know, uh, you know, twice as many kids per teacher and they can't keep up and that sort of thing. But, you know, these these events that you're talking about, you know, death and mayhem down there on the border, those just get politicized. They're not enough. They get politicized. Uh, people on the left will look at that and say Th- that is an argument for wide open borders they're dying because you're trying to stop them from getting in and they'll do anything to get in they're so desperate that you're killing them and you know of course i don't look at it that way i i and people who are like-minded say if you if you start deporting and deterring and blocking and arresting and all that they won't come at all so you'll save them that way and it's just that whole thing just bogs down in that you just can't get past that.
2: The uh, b- uh, book when again. Ben- a,
1: sorry, go when ahead. People go hit, to... When people start to get really hit in their pocketbooks, I think, and, and in quality of life issues uh, that are, that are really pronounced, then maybe something. But this happens in the dark. It it, mm-hmm. it really does, unless Republicans are busing them. Uh, they don't pay attention to the buses that are that that were coming for 19 months straight before then and are going to keep coming after the Republican governor stopped busing. I don't mean to eat up all your time, but.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's all right. Listen, uh, Todd Benzman, I do have to run. Uh, Overrun is the book How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Uh, Todd Bensman, available everywhere you buy books. I'll put it up on social media. Thank you. As always, Todd, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Haven't talked to him in a little while. We got to catch up with our old friend, Mike Davis. He has the distinction of having worked uh in the judiciary as a clerk to the supreme court he's worked in the uh in the uh legislative as a senior aide on the judiciary committee and i guess did you by extension mike do you get count that you were helping uh, appointments in the in the executive branch did you technically ever work for the do you ever draw a paycheck from the uh executive branch i i did i worked for the white house and i've worked oh, for okay. the department of justice and perfect I worked for all right another department. all right he's got it all so he's got he's got all the branches covered. So Mike Davis is currently the founder and the, the uh, president of the Article 3 Project, article3project.org. Um, I think, correct me if I got it wrong, but um, I need to catch up with him because lots of people opining, especially on social media, about the judges, about the conduct of judges, about all this stuff. And he pointed out, Mike Davis did, that there's far too much um, Maybe there's far too little far uh, uh, to too few voices on the conservative side standing up, for example, for Judge Cannon uh, in that situation. So welcome, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Ed. Thank you for having me on. So tell me about Judge Cannon and what she was doing and how she was doing it. And and your perspective, when I watched you tweet about it, you did a good job of describing, hey, wait a second. This is what this is at stake. This is what's not at stake. You know, and and in other words, don't get carried away by the the media coverage. Look at what's going on. But tell us what tell us about her, about what was going on, how she how she um, handled herself and on the matters of the court.
0: So, Judge Cannon, Eileen Cannon, is a very good and smart new judge on the Southern District of Florida Court. She was appointed by President Trump. Uh, she uh, she uh, was a former federal prosecutor for many years. She worked at a top law firm for many years. She uh, she clerked on the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals for Judge Colleton. She's clearly smart. She got more than thirty percent. Of the Democrat, uh, Senate Democrats who showed up to, to her confirmation vote, voted for so she got a sizable chunk of bipartisan support, a significant chunk of bipartisan support, and all she was trying to do with this special master order that's largely in place. It's a, it's in place for eleven thousand documents. The Eleventh Circuit. Uh, held that it's not in place for about hundred classified documents, which I think is wrong. we can discuss that in a bit. Yeah. But what she was trying to, what was she was trying to do here, is get her arms wrapped around these eleven thousand documents because President Biden waived President Trump's uh, executive privilege, which is unprecedented to do. He waived President Trump's claim of executive privilege, and his Biden Justice Department went to this biased. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhart, who just recused from President Trump's civil lawsuit against Hillary Clinton on June 22nd on Russian collusion. He, this judge, Magistrate Judge uh, uh, Bruce Reinhardt, recused because he had a 2017 Facebook post trashing President Trump. Somehow this judicial bias uh, went away six weeks later when Merrick yeah. Marlins and the Biden Justice Department went to him with this Unprecedented, with this with this application for an unprecedented, unnecessary and unlawful home rate, a general warrant on a former president based upon a record keeping dispute with the National Archives. And they went down and right. grabbed 11,000 documents, including medical records, spousal communications, records that could be attorney client privilege. We're, we're learning maybe even President Trump's last will. And testament, uh, you know, they're just. They, it was just a. It was an illegal uh, general raid, a uh, general warrant instead of a warrant that was limited in scope. And so, I think what magistrate judge, what 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 I think what Judge Cannon was trying to do was give, uh, uh, gently get this biased magistrate judge off this case and bring it in, bring in another Article Three judge to look through these records and sort them out and then she can make rulings on what's personal what's presidential records what are privileged records what are non-privileged records that's it the uh, The biden justice department ran to the 11th circuit and really misstated misrepresented the law because they didn't uh they didn't uh they didn't talk about how the presidential records act uh, 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 is controlling here and they miss they misinformed this court and got the court to buy their arguments that somehow these classified records cannot be presidential records, which is just not right as a matter of law, but that's where we are right now. And that's, uh, you know, it's a short term setback with this 11th circuit ruling yesterday. It's a, it's a not a, it's a non, it's an uh, unpublished uh, decision. It's not dispositive. It's just a minor setback as it relates to the one hundredths, Classified records, but yeah. the special master is um, going to move forward on the eleven thousand other records.
2: We're talking with uh, Mike Davis, the head of the Article Three Project, and I do want to point out, Mike, that obviously I didn't realize Judge Cannon had clerked for the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's the circuit where I clerked. Now, she Colleton was just on the bench when I was uh, done clerking, but uh, my judge, Judge Pascoe Bowman, one of the greatest judges ever. As any clerk will always tell you about, is, oh, I didn't know that she was that good because the Eighth Circuit that's where all the that's where all the superstars. But, uh, Mike, uh, explain to me and, more importantly, to my listeners uh, with your sort of ability to summarize it and say, say it uh, well. Why did Judge Cannon have to or why did she think it was a pr- better to to move it to a special master? I mean, I had one of my I think it was my father-in-law who said, well, why didn't she just do it? You know, she's a judge. She, she didn't. And, I, I, you know, why didn't why is it that why is that the better thing to do? Was it was it the uh, was it the special master who is himself a former? Uh, well, he's a senior uh, federal judge so he'd already been on the bench it means he took, took senior status which means he takes some cases and is still working just not full time But and he therefore had clearance what was the reason you need a special master in this or want one The reason
0: they had a special master is because there were 11,000 documents they took from Trump in an unnecessary, unprecedented, and unlawful home raid. And they again, they disregarded 250 years of constitutional executive privilege going back to George Washington, where presidents can uh, receive confidential advice from their advisors without having to worry about that advice landing in courts or Congress. And that's exactly what has happened here with Biden- uh purporting to waive his claim, Trump's claim of executive privilege to give the documents to the January 6th commission and then the, the Justice Department giving it to a grand jury. So that, that's, that's the issue here is you have claims of ex, uh, executive privilege. You also have personal privilege play, claims, attorney-client privilege, tax records, medical records, spousal communications. And what Judge cannon was trying to do is, is look there 's a huge universe of records they They sent thirty FBI agents to do this unprecedented raid on President trump, and judge cannon. Lost confidence in the Justice Department's ability to do the privilege review themselves.
2: Because- oh, right. Okay, that's that's that, that's that, that that part of it. That's a better way to say it. She she looked up and said, "I can't trust you guys to do this DOJ. That's who usually would do it because you're completely it's completely over the top, or and it's been leaking and all the rest. And so uh, I'm not going to be able to do it myself over here. That's so it's a it's a it's a both end. It's a leg. It's a um it's a manpower issue. A lot of things to look at, but it's more. I can't trust the natural party to do it, which would have been the government because they're, they've shown themselves to be compromised.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've been leaking and lying constantly throughout this investigation and she called them out on that. So um, that's where we are. This. So this special master is still reviewing records that are not marked classified. I will say this, that, that, that the 11th circuit got this wrong. Remember under the presidential records act, old, Records that the president and his staff create or receive are covered by the Presidential Records Act. And so when the president receives classified records from outside of the White House, from intel agencies, uh, those are presidential records. And under the Presidential Records Act, the president has the ability when he leaves office to take those records with him to his office of former presidents. And he can also, he can take, either take them as presidential records or he can take a personal copy with them that are declassified. And that uh, that's confirmed by a 2012 case by a uh, Clinton, uh, by an Obama judge where Bill Clinton took eight years of audio recordings, highly classified audio recordings While he was president, he had discussions with foreign leaders and, you know, many other people where it's highly classified. Tom Fenton and Judicial Watch sued to have these records released. And the the, the Obama judge correctly held that these are personal records of Bill Clinton. He declassified them and made them personal through his actions. The mere fact that President Clinton sent them to the uh, sent them to. In this case, his sock drawer, when he left office, that made them declassified and personal. And that's how the Presidential Records Act is generally, how it generally works, is the president has access to his records, classified or non-classified, and it's up to his sole determination what are his records that are personal versus what are presidential records that go to the archives,
2: get categorized, and then get sent back to him to go to his library. So in the case of Trump, Donald Trump, in uh, did an interview with Sean Hannity the other night. And, and in the course of that interview, he basically basically, alluded to the fact that, you know, I don't pack all the boxes. Somebody packed them up for me and I'm not even sure, you know, all that's in there. On the other hand, what you're saying is if he decided to take it with him, he is he is within his rights. You know, you, you may you may wish you had an SOP, a standard operating procedure that had the president initial everything and say, I am here. By declassifying this. But if he takes it, he's the president. He, I mean, the only authority for that whole branch of government is the president. Everybody else's authority comes from the president. He's not the secretary of state. He's not the attorney general. He's not the archivist or he's not anybody. He's the sort of font of the power. If he wants to stuff it in his pants pocket and walk out, he's allowed to. Right absolutely and the supreme court confirmed that in 1988
0: in department of the navy versus egan under the president's commander in chief power uh, and under the constitution he he can declassify anything he wants and any reason he if for any reason he wants in any manner he wants and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat who works for for him to do that, and we talked about Bill Clinton's audio tapes in his sock drawer. There was a an instance in 2012 before the 2012 election where President Obama leaned over to the Russian puppet president and said that uh, whispered that Obama would have more negotiating room on nuclear negotiations after his reelection, that's highly classified, but it's not an espionage violation because a, the the Espionage Act doesn't even apply to the president. And if it did, it would be unconstitutional because the president has the absolute power as commander in chief. Like you said, he's the president. He's not the secretary of state. Hillary Clinton, as secretary of state, had an illegal home server of our most classified secrets. It was hacked by foreign governments when she got caught Uh, With this illegal home server, she bleach bit it, the home server and destroyed with a hammer, the cell phones. She was she should have been charged with espionage. She should have been charged with destruction of government property. She should have been charged uh, with obstruction of justice. She wasn't charged with any of those things. But the presidents have different laws that govern them. The commander in chief clause and the presidential records act and the presidential records act makes it very clear. Presidents can take their presidential records when they leave office, classified or non-classified. Oh. It's why Congress gives former presidents uh, federally funded staff with security clearances, federally funded secure office space or SCIFs and secret service protection with debugging devices and everything else. Remember, Trump had these records for 18 months down in Mar-a-Lago. They did not right. leak at all. The only leaked was Biden right. got his yeah. hands on
2: yeah yeah uh one last question mike davis article three project uh article the number three project dot org uh mike you you on twitter you were frustrated that there weren't more conservatives uh uh defending judge cannon talk to me about um how Uh, What you meant by that and how in some ways you find that uh, conservative lawyers and lawmakers tend to stand back and say, well, you know, it's going to it's going to all work out because we're right. And the law is just and all that stuff. And when it's really more of a street fight and that these judges, as you and I know, are human beings, too. and, And they see and feel what's going on and 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 they need the encouragement
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, they have lifetime tenure, they have pay protection, they're not supposed to care what other people think, but they're humans, right? And it seems like conservative lawyers, conservative organizations, they sit on the sidelines... Uh, oftentimes with all the money and they don't want to come to the defense of these judges. Well, then it makes it a lot more likely these judges are just going to say, you know what? I don't want to get the hell beat out of me. I don't want protesters outside of my house. I'm just going to take the easy path here, right? That's not so, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But let's just be real. Uh, and, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, it's been a lonely fight out here with Article 3 Project uh, defending uh, this. This is so much bigger than President Trump. This is about the presidency. And, you know, do these do Republicans think that these Marxist Democrats that we have today are going to stop once Trump is gone? I mean, look what they did to Bill Barr. Bill Barr, they were cheering on Bill Barr when he was going after Trump. Uh, On this class incorrectly, it was a willful misreading of the law under the Presidential Records Act. But Bill Barr was saying Trump Trump didn't have the right to these records, which is just not true. They were his Bill Barr was the left's hero that week, the very next week. The Senate <laughs> yeah. Democrats, the Senate Judiciary Democrats, opened up a congressional investigation on him. They, you know, and right. I, I, I love DeSantis. They, the, the, you know, these con- conservatives think if we just let Trump get demolished by the left, then we can move on to DeSantis. They're trying to investigate DeSantis now for sending yeah, Mike exactly. to 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 to, uh, to Martha's Martha's Vineyard. vineyard just, yeah. It's not going to
2: end. We need to stop these people. Yeah. All right. Mike Davis uh, out there on the fight. Mike Davis, article3project.org. Thank you, Mike. As always, uh, keep us uh, informed, and we'll have you back on again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This
0: is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis
2: Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Communist China is without question the greatest foreign adversary America faces today. Their military might is formidable and their economic reach spans across the globe. Our leaders need to take it seriously when Chinese leaders threaten to assassinate a representative of our nation. That's precisely what happened when Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi traveled to the island nation of Taiwan for a visit. Leading Chinese propagandist Hu Jin said that Pelosi should be abducted or shot out of the skies for daring to visit Taiwan. Pelosi is far from the first American politician to travel to the island nation. Quite a few members of Congress visit every year, thanks to the Taiwan Travel Act signed by President Trump in 2018. In just one delegation early in 2022, Senators Burr, Menendez, Graham, Sass, Portman, and Jackson all made the trip unopposed by the communists. Yet Taiwan remains the biggest sticking point for the Chinese government because the free people of Taiwan represent what China could be if they embraced free market capitalism instead of communism. That's why, in 2019, Chinese dictator Xi Jinping threatened that supporters of Taiwan would have their bones ground to powder. Not one to be pushed around, President Trump responded by selling Taiwan $1.8 billion in military equipment. Global politics may look a lot like a schoolyard drama, but the consequences can be much more devastating. We can't afford to have weak leadership that backs down in the face of Chinese aggression. President Joe Biden and his administration can't be trusted with the task. As Nancy Pelosi prepared for her visit to Taiwan, Biden begged her not to go. He feebly claimed that, quote, the military thinks it's not a good idea right now, end quote. This is weak. It's pathetic. We don't need President Biden's brand of foreign policy that is giving in to the Chinese. We need an America First leader who's not afraid to stand up to the bullies of the global schoolyard.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best trained soldiers, and there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Got to wrap things up today with a little uh, thank you stuff. And let me point out, for those of you who are great San Diego listeners, uh, quite a week quite a week watching the San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals play. My St. Louis Cardinals hasn't been that good a week. Uh, Our guys, uh, Cardinals have been out uh, classed on the field. It's a boy that won the other night. There was almost a no hitter. San Diego Padres threw a no hitter through seven innings and only Pujols uh, broke it up. So it's been a tough one, but looks like a prelude hopefully to the playoffs uh, maybe at some point. So that's been fun to watch. Well, listen, say, I'm going to say thank you again to a great Noah Dingley uh, for all of his production of the show. Also to Joanna Spilger, for what she does to keep us going on track we will be back uh, tomorrow and as always uh, i didn't get dershowitz i'm still hoping to get uh, dershowitz on and see what he has to say there's quite a bit to be said about the legal machinations going on in this country right now so and i'll have an update tomorrow on the january 6th i was at a sentencing this week of one of the january 6 defendants it's quite something to see we'll take a break i mean we'll be back tomorrow i'll get you to fill in on all that ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then